Welcome to the She Who Wins podcast. I'm your host, Renee Bauer. I'm an attorney, entrepreneur, author, speaker, and investor. This is the place where we dive into all of the things that matter to you and most importantly, uncover what's holding you back from realizing your dreams. Because she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins. Did you ever wish you had answers to questions about your life, love, career, and future? Well, I just might have the solution. I've been a tarot card enthusiast my entire life, but I've always hated the scammy feel of pay-by-the-minute readings. Well, the tarot bridge is something entirely different. You can get tarot card readings with integrity from trusted advisors providing life guidance. Everything from love, career, family, relationship, finance, past life, and so much more. All of the readers are fully vetted for their experience and integrity. And there's a community in the Tarot Bridge that brings together like-minded spiritual seekers. You might just find me there too. Go check it out at thetarotbridge.com. All of the answers you are seeking are on the other side of the Tarot Bridge. Now let's get back to our show. All right. Welcome back to the She Who Wins podcast. I am here today with Rebecca Sinzak, also known as Cardi B or Bex, if you read her book. So Rebe- do, you, do you want me to call you Cardi B or Rebecca? Um, whatever you prefer. It's funny. People call me both because my birth name is obviously Rebecca. And then as I was launching my tarot career, that was my Instagram. And then my podcast was under Cardsy B and then the tarot deck and the book. So lots of people call me Cardsy. You can also call me Rebecca, whatever you prefer. All right. Awesome. So I love the way like we kind of came into each other's world sort of by like happenstance. And then I went on your Instagram. I'm like, Ooh, her book looks really cool. I bought it. I read it in like two days and I'm like, I need to have a conversation with this woman. So here we are. I'm so excited. I know. And I, I love your podcast so much. I love your whole backstory and I'm so excited for your books to come out in September. So I am honored to be here. Thank you. All right. So let's just, let's dive in. So you were living like the sex in the city life. You were in the fashion industry. You were, you know, spending your nights sipping fancy martinis. You were, you know, you were doing all of the things that that everyone would look at and be like, oh, that's the life that I want. But like on the inside, something was disconnected and was not working for you. So I want to start there. Um, can, can you talk about like the dark night and how you emerge from that? So let's like, let's. Let's pick up like right at that moment where you said something has to change. I cannot stay living this dream life that, you know, we all think we want. Yeah. You know, I would um, like to say that I listened to the whispers and the audible tones that I was being shown in that way, but I didn't. It had to get to the point that the universe was screaming at me, honestly, because on the surface, and I love that a lot of your mission in this podcast and in your book is kind of that reprogramming or or deprogramming that good girl like voice of like, oh, well, I have to do things the, the way that society perceives or the way that I said I was going to, I have to follow through with that. And that was very much me as I was successful on the surface. And like you said, I had the whole like executive global VP career in fashion and the celebrity friends and all the things, but I was really struggling deeply with um, depression, 
anxiety and I was a functioning addict. And I think that's somewhat easy to do in Manhattan and especially in, in industries like entertainment and fashion, where you're always socializing and out partying as part of your job. So I was um, definitely a functioning alcoholic struggling with um, prescription, like uh, medication, like Xanax, abusing that. And it was really the universe kind of pulling things out from my life that made me look at it. So first thing that happened was, um, one of my very best friends and my mentor in the industry passed away of HIV related complications. And he was like a big brother, best friend figure to me. Shortly after that, I was kind of pushed out of my big splashy role that I was known as. I was the creative director of Playboy at the time and global vice president. And that was one of the first things I would say about myself is like, oh, my name's Rebecca. I'm the global VP of Playboy, you know? And that was just like, and who, who I was seen as. So that was pulled out. And then literally two months after, um, my ex-wife asked for a divorce and I didn't see that that coming. So it was kind of the universe showing like, if you don't course correct or kind of examine some of these things that aren't working, we're just going to have to take it, you know? And it honestly, it was, it, it was the right relationship for the right time, but it wasn't my, you know, my forever person. And it wasn't aligned for both of us for many reasons. And I was unwilling to look at that. I was like, nope, we have this great marriage on the surface. We were part of like human rights campaigns and just as gay marriage was getting legalized. We were like those New York lesbians that people pointed to with like, yay, like they're the face of gay marriage. And I was like, oh my God, I'm failing gay marriage by like this not succeeding. Um, so a lot of things I was doing for the image of my life and not what really made me happy. And so the job got pulled, my, my marriage got pulled. And then, um, uh, a course of just bad investments and trying to start my own lingerie line, I lost all of my money. So I went from having this very like, yeah, like high-end luxury sex in the city life to living in squalor. It was basically steps above tenement housing where I had a gas leak and 350 square feet, uh, rats, cockroaches. And I just had this, I want to die. I literally had planned my, my suicide, had all of these pills lined up um, because I was just like living in squalor as an, as as a functioning and not even functioning at that point as an alcoholic and had no money. It didn't have consistent work, um, was really just in suicidal depression and a sequence of events occurred that interfered with that moment. And I just kind of got that call of, if I'm going to tap back into this lifetime, it has to be with a purpose. Like I, I have to be here on purpose for a reason. And I didn't know what that was yet, but I had read tarot as a little, as a little kid. And it was something that I just always did as a hobby. It kind of fell away throughout my, my teenage and adult life. And then going into fashion, it wasn't cool like it is now. So it wasn't something that I was like, Oh, I thought I was going to do for a career for sure. And I didn't, I didn't even really pursue it past my childhood. So I just came back because it was free. And at that point of losing everything, I would pull a card a day just to kind of be like, what do I need to know today? Like, what is the universe trying to show me? And as I was going through my healing, really working on, I, I no longer like drink alcohol or use substances for the past five years. But like, as I was moving through that, I didn't have a ton of money for like expensive therapy or tools. So I was doing free online med meditations and working with the tarot. And that's kind of when I realized my own intrinsic shifts. And that became the biggest guiding tool into how I now work and helping other people. I started reading for friends, um, reading for old fashioned colleagues. And they're like, Hey, you're good at this. And things you're seeing are reflections of what's going on within me. Or I would predict things that they would be like, Oh my gosh, I never saw this coming. And this did happen in this amount of time. So it's slowly, um, kind of one thing led to another. And then I shifted out of, um, freelancing in fashion, which was what I was scraping by to make money at the time and to doing tarot full time. 
So that was a long answer to the dark so, night. Of the question. <laughs> yeah. So and, and it's and, and there's all kind of there's all kinds of stories within that that are in your book. Your book's called Saturn Diaries: A Modern Day Grimoire. Um, so which we're going to talk about too. But do you have, when you look back at all of that, do you have any regret? Or do you think that that was truly your journey in order to get where you are? Like you had to. hundred percent. And I have clients now, even friends going through really dark times over the past two years. And I, I always say this is the best worst part. It's the worst when you're in it. Because I literally lost everything that was like the ego identifier of the job, the marriage, the money, the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But it's also what stripped me completely completely bare and vulnerable to be like, without all of that, like, what do I choose? And what do I feel um, that my purpose is? And what am I here to do? And that's how I discovered it. I know I wouldn't be in this work if I was just continuing to be paid this high salary, and Mm -hmm. things were easy, I would have just continued to like, numb to a place of like, this is fine. This is fine. I don't think I would have been completely fulfilled or like living my best life, but I could have like just survived on the level of content for a much longer period, at least. And this really was like, we're going to crack it open. And I love what I do. I love that I get to connect with so many people that I get to help people access their intuition, get to help people heal through my writing, through my, my one-on-one intuitive sessions and coaching. And it changed my whole life. And I know I've been able to help a lot more people in the work that I do now than I did in the fashion industry. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's so interesting, because I have something happening in my life right now. And I would have stayed so comfortable. And I would have probably been comfortable for the next couple of years in like the universe gave and but in the back of my head, I'm thinking like, well, one day I'll make this change one day. And then I got like a massive shove. And it was like, oh, shit, like this has to happen, because it really is the next phase. Like if I stayed comfortable for too long, it was just it's easy to hold onto that until like, like, I truly believe that the universe like shoves you when it's like when you're not moving at the pace of that, that you should be moving. Yeah. And I think like going back to like what you talk about with like the whole like good girl mentality or good girl programming that we receive from society, it's almost like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I should be grateful because nothing on the surface appearing to be wrong. So I should just continue on this. And there'll be lots of people you know, well-meaning in our lives that mirror that back of like, oh, you're, yeah, this is great. And like, you're doing the right thing and congratulations on these external like achievements. Um, So it can be hard. And I think when, when we need it, if we're not able to just take on, take the notes from like the like audible tones or the, the whispers from the universe, the universe will pull it out for our highest good. Even when that's not always, I mean, definitely not fun and not easy. So you talk about um, this, like totally cracked me up and I've never heard this term before being a manaforcer because I'm like, I'm a, a, a big manifester, but I'm also a big doer and task person and don't get me on my path and don't, and like things need to go by my timeline. So I was like, shit, I'm also a manaforcer. I think it's such a fine line. And I think it's like, I am constantly checking myself after realizing that. Cause I think the thing about, um, like very like ambitious, strong, um, go-getters like yourself is that we are, we've seen a lot of success from kind of like making, like making our own destiny, making things happen. And there is 
power in having holding a vision, having that manifestation and like going for it. But it's I, what I always sit, see after kind of like a lot of things I manifest that then crumbled in my life is like, okay, where is it inspired action that we're getting the signs, the synchronicities from the universe of it feels good. It feels somewhat in flow state and it feels easeful versus like, this feels really hard, but I'm going to make it happen. You know, like I was always that person that could land the job, could land the account, could get the person to fall in love with me that, you know, didn't even think that she was interested in women. Like I was that person, but then I'm like, mm, but is it for my highest good? If I'm kind of like going, forcing so hard to make this happen, because you can get the thing you think you want. And then when you get there, you're like, oh, this doesn't look like what I thought because of that act of force. So I think it's, um, you know, not manifesting doesn't mean just like sitting in meditation and thinking the universe is going to deliver it like Ed McMahon with like the sweepstakes. I think it's more of like, where can we listen to our inner guidance system and take those inspired actions that feel easeful and feel like this does feel in flow. I am being shown the signs and that it is the the right timing, the, the right opportunity to move forward. Okay. So what type of signs should someone look out for, for inspired action? That's such a good question. You know, I had an example, um, working on a second book and some other projects right now. And there was, um, things moving forward with that, but then it wasn't, I just couldn't get a, t- get, get a hold of, um, certain people involved in this. There was someone on vacation, all these other things. And old me would have just been like following up, follow up, you know, and like, <laughs> let me make a call. Let me talk to somebody else. Oh, maybe this isn't moving. Maybe I should go somewhere else with this. And I just thought, Hmm, okay, this isn't moving right now for a reason. Is it essential if this doesn't move in the next, whatever, two, three weeks in the month of July, when everyone was on vacation. And I was like, no, I'm going to give it a minute. And when I did, it like all started to fall into place literally with that shift of uh, new moon and cancer and the nodal shift uh, on July 17th. So I feel like when when you're kind of getting doors shut consistently, it's kind of, it's not always try harder. It can be pause and reroute of that like rejection or that pause can be redirection. And I think I've listened to that more. And then when I do have those moments of like mm, a thought coming in, seeing like, it depends how you receive your signs, whether it's seeing a number sequence, like hearing a song that's like, oh, I think I should either reach out, follow up with that thing. Uh, it's a lot, it, things move more efficiently and more easily than just trying to like, I'm going to like force my way through the door, which again, it can work, but it doesn't always uh, reap the long-term rewards that we think it will. I poured my heart, my soul, and even tears into writing a book that is a love letter to every woman I know. She Who Wins the Book is for every woman who is told to smile, to quiet down, and to shrink themselves into their smallest version. It's for every woman who's trying to figure out what's next. It's for every woman who thinks this is as good as it gets. She Who Wins is for the good girl within who is ready to become the fierce female fighting to get out. She Who Wins is now available for pre-order. Visit shewhowinsbook.com for exclusive free bonuses when you order now. So, all right. So someone out there is listening and they're like, well, that's cool, but she's a tarot card reader. She's she's ultra intuitive beyond like the normal person. Like, how does that work for me? So what would you say to someone who is, um, who's like, I can't, read. I can't, I can't predict the future. Like how how would they tap into really what's in flow for them or what's in alignment? 
Yeah, that's such a good question. And I always like my answer to that is that we all have access to it. It's a matter of how much we work with it. So I think like if we are humans, we have the ability to be intuitive and to work with that part of ourselves. I think a lot of what we've been trained to do is like negate that and downplay that. I think especially as women, it's like it's dismissed as emotional or overly sensitive versus no, I'm listening to my intuition in this situation. So I think anyone trying to tap into that, it's kind of like a calm inner knowing. And one of the things I wrote in my book, when I was tapping back into that, I was highly intuitive as a kid. My parents like often dismissed as being overly sensitive or like high maintenance and things. I'd be like, Oh, don't drive this way. Like bad things happen here. And they were like, Oh my God, our kid is crazy. like, no, no, we're driving. <laughs> this path. We're not going a roundabout way. Cause you get bad feelings. Something bad happened here. Um, But so I had even learned to dismiss it. And I wrote in my book, it's like, you know, I expected it to sound like this, like firm British lady or Morgan Freeman's voice coming in. And it was actually just the calmest version of me of like, sometimes you don't know why it's like, I don't know why, but I feel like I should pause on this or I don't know why, but I feel like I should reach out to this person right now. And I think when we get those feelings, it's trusting it because a lot of what I think is hard to navigate is the anxiety versus intuition. Cause people will ask like, you know, how do I know that that's not just like my anxiety trying to predict or out of fear or out of like, I should do this out of scarcity. And I always explain, cause I'm sure that you probably have this. I've definitely, I know many people have having an intuitive knowing that's not necessarily good, but you still hear and receive it calmly of like, it could be mm-hmm. like, I know I didn't get that job or I know that mm-hmm. thing's not going to go through, but it's kind of a calm knowing of like, oh, I guess that's the case. Whereas anxiety, you feel, you know, wh- whether it's tense in your stomach, your chest closing up, it's kind of that constriction and almost like a jitteriness where intuition, even if it's not um, a quote unquote good message, there's a calm knowingness with it of like, well, this is what's happening. And I think the more we can trust that we can also start to manage some of our anxiety of like, okay, that's anxiety doesn't mean it's going to go away, but it's going to pass. And that doesn't define me. And it's not a truth of this situation necessarily. I almost look at it like a detachment, like a detachment from anything kind of, you know, happening in the world. That's not ideal. It's like removing myself and I, I look at, like, I'll ask myself, like, is this really going to matter five years from now? Yeah. I don't, need to yeah. Be, I don't need to be attached to the outcome or the emotion of it because it really, in the, the grand scheme, it has such limited impact on anything. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, in tools in the day-to-day, like obviously meditation really helps to access that space. Um, if you are inclined to work with like tarot or oracle cards at all, even just pulling a card um, from a deck and seeing, oh, how does that show up throughout my day really helps us to trust like the messages we're being shown. Okay. So that's the perfect, perfect opportunity to talk about your deck because you created the badass bitches tarot. You talk about a story in your book that had me cracking up that you were at some famous homemakers of the insider trainer varieties house. <laughs> yes. Yes. And and she asked you to do a reading for her, but the, she was part of the deck and you were like terrified you were going to pull her card. Did you ever actually do a reading for her? Okay. So no, and I, I mean, I love her and she is cool. At that point, I was too, too nervous to do it. So my deck, yeah, it's called the baddest, which is tarot. Cause it's all like iconic women. So just on the top of the deck, like the hero fence is Oprah, um, because it's the teacher of life lessons. So in the old, the original deck, it's a Pope 
figure. And I feel like a lot of the, the um, titles, even the figures in the original tarot deck, it's like, it doesn't really translate today of like, well, what is a hero fan? So it's like in, in our society, like that's Oprah. It's like the aha moments, yeah. the super soul lessons. Um, and so, yes, I changed all of the names in my book. So yeah. I won't say the person you're referring yeah. to, but we're just going to call her Auntie M. And yeah. I did. So I was, that was kind of where my um, fashion life and my tarot career started to overlap because I was still freelancing in the fashion industry, but I, my podcast was growing and I was starting to get, no, my deck had come out. I created this deck and people were like, Oh, she reads tarot. So I would go to these. Um, it was, it was a fashion event at this woman's home estate in, in, uh, in New York. And, uh, some, one of the like finance guys was like, Oh my gosh, like, can you read for us? Cause whenever there would be corporate parties or like social events, they would always want like, especially the finance guys on like closing deals and whatever. And I was like, okay, but like, let's just like keep it on the DL. Cause it was already a very formal setting in this like, yes, famous, like home homemaker. Um, and, uh, so she had this like massive table setting and all of that. And so then she saw me like talking to these guys about this and she goes, Oh, you're the, you're the tarot reader. I've heard about you. I would love to receive a reading. And her card is not a super flattering one, which I then learned after I was like, these are things I should have thought when designing this, if I ever am in the company of the individuals inspired by my deck, but four of pentacles is the card. I call it energetic hoarding. Cause it's kind of the card of, for example, if you did some like tax evasion and you hoarded some money and you went to jail for it, um, that would be a good example. So I, I, I was in my head at the time, like I cannot, because what are the odds of in 78 cards? Oh, here it is. What are the odds that like, I would pull this. And it's very literally like showing you this card. It's very literally this person. There's like no way that she would not know. And being in an orange jumpsuit, I couldn't even spin it. To, like it's a positive card, you know? Um, so I quickly Terrible. lied and was like, oh, I can't find my cards. And the guys that all knew me were like, you always have them. And I'm like, oh, I changed purses and I just freaked out. So in that moment now, um, honestly, like she, she's cool. She probably like knowing more now, she probably would have just laughed about it. But um, I was so new to the, the tarot part of my career at that point. And I was like, is she going to sue me? Is this going to shut everything down? <laughs> so yeah, I didn't. I didn't. That's hysterical. So, all right. Now I want to talk about something a little different that you did was super cool. So this is my own personal curiosity. Um, you went away and did something called, is it ayahuasca? Is that how I say yes. it? Yeah. Ayahuasca. Uh, yes. Yeah. So it is, well, I'm going to have you describe it because I've heard about it before. I know someone who did it. It's like super intense. And like, as I was reading, I'm like, oh my God, I have to see like, how did she do? Did she get sick? <laughs> you know, like, it's yeah. so just talk about like what it what it is and what made you do that. So yeah, so it is a plant medicine made from a jungle vine and a cactus combined together. And it basically is um it kind of breaks through uh, the ego, what, what shaman described it as, is it makes the ego drunk. So you can connect directly with your higher self and with your soul. And, um, it's something I, I, and I, you know, I shared this in like my journey in the book, like, I definitely don't recommend it. Like, like just all oh, like, go do this and it'll change your life. I think it's something you feel called to do. And at that point in my journey, I had always been curious about it. And a bunch of, again, signs and synchronicities showed up in my day-to-day -day of like a friend who had a producer who did a, a documentary about ayahuasca. And then like, I was on this wait list for this facility and then it opened up. And then someone else I knew from Toronto was going at the same time. And I was like, okay, this is meant to be. Um, but it is a really powerful healing tool for um, healing trauma, healing addiction 
addiction specifically, because I struggled really deeply, like for most of my twenties and to my mid thirties with addiction. And I, I, I did a lot of healing in different modalities around that, but I will say ayahuasca was the thing that was the biggest shift around that mm-hmm. for me. And also being able to um, heal some trauma with individuals in my family that I saw yeah. things from other people's perspectives. Cause I think we kind of you know, grow up thinking my truth and my perspective is the truth, but it's not always like the only perspective in a situation. So things that I was like, oh my gosh, this was so traumatic. This was terrible. In in doing that medicine and that ceremony, I could see from other people's perspectives of like their experience and what they were thinking and feeling and the fear mm-hmm. that they were in and going back to like things they experienced in their past that I didn't know. I wasn't told as a human in this lifetime, but I saw that. And then when I had those conversations with those family members, they were like, oh my gosh, how did you know that? Mm-hmm. And it gave me a lot more um, kindness towards others and kindness towards myself. So it definitely was a massive um, part of my healing journey that I'm so grateful for, but it's not something I ever recommend lightly because it is no joke. It's like, it's the kind of thing where it's the opposite of like a fun drug. So if you like me really liked or like drinking and you're like, oh, I always want another glass. It's the opposite. You're like, oh God, don't make me have another cup of this. Like it tastes terrible. It's deep, deep shadow work to go into. So it's not like you're going to become addicted to it or, or, you know, I even, I even had a vision and in, um, like one of the ceremonies of my niece, who's now a teenager, I was like, oh, she's going to want to do this in the future. And I'm like, I would go with her, like, as like, you know, when she's an adult, if she needs support in that, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to do it again. Like I had that vision of like, cause it's hard. It's no joke. It's like hard work to do. Yeah. Sign up for the massage while she's doing that. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, yeah, they're like ever like you can the the resort that I went to or the facility I went to in Costa Rica to do it in 2017. Like you don't have to do just the plant medicine. There's other healing modalities and yoga and meditation and breath work. Um, but at that point I was in such a state of surrender. It was when I had lost literally everything and had started to slightly rebuild. So I had like saved enough money to go on this, um, you know, to this facility. Um, and I was like, well, if I'm doing it, I'm all in, but yeah, it was definitely, um, a crazy, crazy journey. One of the hardest things I've ever done, but one of the most rewarding. Mm. So if you're listening, Go, go Google it and you'll like a ton of information comes up on it, but it's, it's like crazy to read about you. Cause I know someone else who has done it and their experience was very much like yours. They came out and they like renamed themselves. Like they took on a new, like they, it was so intense and so healing for them. Um, so it is, it's fascinating. Well, and that was after that point, like I had been working with like on the side with tarot, but that was when I was like, oh, I'm all in. Like I was much more fearless around like, okay, I'm good. Cause it seems crazy. Like it was in my, you know, in my mid thirties to go from this like high level fashion executive to all of a sudden I'm this tarot witch. Like that's why how Cardi even came about. It was like a nickname that my, my ex-wife came up with, but it was also um, like that kept my Instagram separate. So I had like my, you know, my name all my fashion stuff, my LinkedIn, and then I had CardZB. And I was like, okay, cool. That gives me time to kind of like explore in this mm-hmm. space. Um, but after, after doing the work with plant medicine, I was like, oh, I'm all in like, this is, this is my path and how I can really help heal the like, and have the most amount of impact on others throughout, through my work. So it, that, that like, when you're saying your friend changed their name, like for me, it was kind of like allowing me to go like full throttle into this work afterward. I mean, you, you stepped into your real full identity. 
compared yeah. to like the, you know, the, the pretty made up filtered version. And then you step totally. forward like into, into the light, really. Yeah. And that's like, I think one of the most freeing things and I know it's very much part of like your journey and the work that you do is when you can just show up unapologetically as all of you. I think we're so trained not to, like I had many versions. I had like the corporate version of me, like the wife Mm -hmm. version of me, like the fun party drinking version of me with my friends. And like when I integrated all sides of myself and just show up like that every day, it just released so much heaviness. And I think I'm able to definitely obviously access intuition much more easily, but, um, just connect with people with a lot more ease that way. Yeah. All right. So before we get to my final two questions for you, um, how do people connect with you? Everyone should be absolutely following you. So can you just tell us where they, where they can do all of that? Yeah. So the easiest place to find everything is on Instagram. It's at cardsy B C A R D S Y B. And, um, that has access to my website, um, everything else, um, from there. So just cardsy B on Instagram, my website, cardsyb.com. And I still do one-on-one readings, um, and one-on-one intuitive, um, healing coaching, like weekly, monthly programs. So you can find all the ways to work with me. The tarot decks there, the book is there and any events. I also do a lot of in-person events, mostly Miami, New York, Toronto. Um, and that's all on my, on my Instagram and on my website too. Um, your book is so good. Did you say you're working on another one now? Yes. Yes, I am. So yeah, the first one is all the reason it's called the Saturn Diaries is because every 27 to 31 years, Saturn returns to where it was when we were born. So we have one around that age, 27 to 31, uh, one in our late fifties, early sixties. And if we're lucky, a third one in our, you know, early nineties. So, um, it's kind of like where everything will show you. It's almost like, a, a report card of like, are you aligned? If not, um, you'll be very strongly guided to make changes, to put yourself into alignment. Mine was pretty brutal. Mine was like the universe was like, oh, you're screwing everything up. So we're going to pull this. We're going to pull this. Um, But I'm very grateful for that period because that's what got me to where I am now. Um, So that's why it's called the Saturn Diaries. And the modern day grimoire piece is, yes, it's a memoir. It's written. It's a true story. It's written very like sex in the city and the vibe of the story. So it's um, it's not like traditional self-help, like do this step and then this. It's just kind of the memoir. And then at the end of each chapter is like a a meditation, a, a ritual, an herbal elixir that I like discovered um, often accidentally on my healing path that I share. So you can use it as the grimoire or the spell book or read it as the story, but lots of healing codes woven in there. And then, yes, I am working on um, a new, a second tarot deck and a, and a second book as well. So. All right. All right. So before one more, two more questions still, um, do you have your deck with you right now? Yes. Yeah. Can I put you on the spot to pull a card? Yeah. Let's take a look. All right. So if we're just doing one, the first thing you got is the emperor. And this is the Beyonce card in my deck. I love this because this is all about starting new foundations. Um, It's the fourth in the major arcana. So it's kind of like with fours, it's like getting all of the things, literally like information and structure um, that will set you up for the most success. I also feel like things that may have for you specifically um, started or um, had conversations back in Aries season, uh, if that makes any sense, that may be 
now moving forward. So if there were any stalls with that, any delays, or um, it wasn't the right time going back to Aries season of this Mm -hmm. year and looking at like if any of those conversations could be revisited or if there are things that started started at that time, it feels like there's going to be a lot of momentum on them now. Um, And this could this could also be with like the emperor, the the empire that will be further carved and created as a result of your book coming out in September too. Um, cause it seems like there's a lot of, um, it's almost like more to come as a result of that more, um, things that will be available to, uh, to people that are connecting with your work, following you in addition to the podcast and the book, like other things you may be rolling out that create kind of access to a bigger empire for people to kind of come together in that energy. So if that makes Look, sense, I, I'm just happy it wasn't the card with the orange jumpsuit. So. <laughs> yeah whenever it's like that is a just kind of like mm, you may be hoarding resources energy time money like you know she's a severe example and lesson and point in that but yes all right so final question you've been an absolute delight but final question that I ask all of my guests is what does winning mean to you Oh my gosh. I love that question. Yeah. I think winning means for me, just living my most authentic life and being able to show up freely to help others so that I feel like completely free as myself so that I can best serve others and best serve the collective. Amazing. There you guys have it. Cardsy B. She's awesome. She is definitely a bright light and it absolutely shines. So go give her a follow. Absolutely grab her book. Check out her badass bitches tarot deck and listen to hex in the city podcast she is just she is she's awesome thank you that's a wrap please subscribe to the she who wins podcast so you'll be the first to know about every new episode that drops until next time and remember she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins (laughs) 